All right, thank you, Justin. Hello, I am Pastor Anthony, like he said, and you are at New Day Divine, Divine Campus of New Day Community Church. And we are in a series called Kingdom Parables. Why are we doing a series called Kingdom Parables? Because you will hear in church circles a lot the phrase Kingdom of Heaven and Kingdom of God, and people all the time will ask, hey, I keep hearing this said, what, what exactly are you guys talking about? What does that even mean? And it turns out these questions are not new. People have had questions about the kingdom of God for 2,000 years since Jesus was around. And whenever Jesus told somebody about it, most of the time he used an anecdote or a short story we call a parable. And he would say things like, well, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed or leaven or a person searching for something. And, you know, we're going to dig into what exactly he meant by each of those parables to get at the what and the whys and the hows of not only the kingdom of God, but spoiler alert, the king of the kingdom of God, which is coming up, and I'm excited about that message. But today, we have a sermon on, whoop, actually before I do that, yeah, I have some stats I want to share with you guys before I get to today's message. This is from Christianity Today in 2015. According to Christianity Today, about 33,000 people are either becoming Christians or being born into Christian families each day. In Africa alone, 33,000 people a day becoming Christian or being born into Christian families just in Africa. And another stat from the same article is that over a third of the world's total population claims some kind of Christian faith. Here's something from good old Wikipedia that according to the World Christian Encyclopedia, which is published by looked at Oxford University Press, so it's not some, you know, flimsy source. Approximately 2.7 million people convert to Christianity annually from another religion, with Christianity ranking first in net gains throughout religious conversion. So that's from another religion. Somebody was something, and then they change and become a Christian. And if you're, for some reason, this is not showing my stuff. That is so weird. Is it up here? We have a formatting issue that will prove fatal, I'm afraid, for this slideshow. So I hope I can remember it. So that's about 7,000 plus people every day converting to Christianity from another religion. So I really apologize for what's coming because if this formatting stays the same, much will be lost to my dismay. But I want to make a point. That's pretty good work for one guy who was born in some tiny little town and grew up in an even smaller town in the backwaters of the Roman Empire and happened to be a member of a disliked minority. Right? Is this pretty good work happening 2,000 years later? 33,000 people thinking there's something to his message per day just in Africa? My goodness, and FYI, most of the growth of the church would be invisible to us and, and really invisible in a lot of parts of the world because it's happening in specific hot spots right now. It's happening a lot in Africa, a lot in Asia, and a lot in Latin America. So just because we can't see it, we're not walking down the streets and seeing house churches popping up and people getting miraculously delivered here, yet, amen, it is happening. And that is pretty good. So how exactly did God do that? Today's message is on the methods of the kingdom. And that's not really a great title. We wanted to have of the kingdom after every title because you have a bunch of preachers in the world and they will either have like an acronym or... You know, something. It, it'll be cheesy. So here's a better title. The kingdom is working and the kingdom will work. This formatting is killing me. 
We might just turn it off. Let's just turn it off. Can you kill the slideshow? I'm going to go off my phone. Is that okay with everybody? We can live without a slideshow for one day, right? Promise you it will not be helpful anyway. So let me transition. The kingdom is working, and the kingdom will work. You guys can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. You can also find these two parables in Matthew chapter 13, if you like. But I'm going to preach from the one in Luke because the context is a little bit different. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives a bunch of kingdom parables all in one shot. The kingdom of heaven is like, 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 and on and on and on. But in Luke, something very interesting happens before the kingdom parable. I am almost to my slide, but if memory serves, we're somewhere around Luke 13, 40. Who's got that? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. What verse are we looking at? Who's the most studious person in the room? Nobody yet. That's okay. You're all forgiven. I went to private school where we did sword drills. Does anybody remember that? Anybody know what a sword drill is? Where somebody would shout out a Bible verse and the first person would be able to find it in their actual paper Bible would win a prize? Back in the day. All right. So, Luke 13, 18 to 20. Jesus says, So he was saying, What is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his own garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Now you might have a bunch of questions just hearing me read those verses like, Mustard's not a tree, bro. What's going on? What in the world is leaven? How big is a peck? What does hiding leaven in bread have to do with the kingdom of God? What exactly is going on? And I hope to answer all of those questions. Because Luke is doing something very specific with the retelling of this parable. Very specific. And the first thing that I want to say is that it is not about the size of the seed. Nor is it about the soil. Nor is it about the garden. It is about the type of plant. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. We are talking about a kingdom plant. So he says a mustard seed. Now mustard seeds were something back in the day that was proverbially small. That means it was just an example of something tiny. Like you know, right, remember another verse where Jesus says, if you have faith like a mustard seed. Mustard seeds were just used as an example of something that was absolutely minuscule. And I had a great picture of a mustard seed on a fingertip. I got to tell you, those things are pretty small. So Jesus is saying right off the bat, maybe not necessarily a literal mustard seed, but the kingdom of of heaven is like something super tiny, a super tiny seed that a guy threw in his garden, all right? And it grew, and it became a tree. Mustard is not a tree. So even to Jesus' original audiences, they would become, they're not dumb, right? They know what mustard looks like. Many of them have had gardens, and they're like, hold on, mustard can get big. I mean, around the Sea of Galilee, that, it's a shrub. It can grow to about 10 feet. Now, that's big. I mean, that's a lot bigger than your basil plant, right? But that's not a tree. And Jesus says, the seed grew, this proverbially small thing, grew up and became a tree, and birds nested in its branches. There's a lot going on there. And before I say what Jesus' audience would have heard and been stunned by, let's look at the verses that precede This parable, what just happened in Luke? What is Jesus responding to? And it's actually very interesting. If we look in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 12, it says this. 
He, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit. So this is a demon-possessed woman. The demon is making her sick for 18 years, and she was bent double and could not straighten up. So we have a lady walking around like this for 18 years because she's oppressed by a demon. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. Boom. Woman, you're freed from your sickness. What happens? Oh, is it good? Dude, you're amazing. Thank you. I was ready to rock. All right. So she's freed from her sickness. Problem is, he just healed somebody on what day of the week? The Sabbath, when you're not supposed to do work, right? So the religious leaders who were there, they've already had some tips. They freaked out. And they're like, Jesus, you can't. There's six whole days of the week to work. And you can't heal these people on those six days of the week? And Jesus, instead of backing down, says, you hypocrites, come on. He's like, if you guys have cows or sheep or something and they fall down and they're trapped, you know, you free them, don't you, on the Sabbath day. I've just freed a woman, a daughter of Abraham, who's been bent over by a spirit for 18 years. And you're telling me I'm doing the wrong thing? And they don't know what to say to that. Here's the verse after that. As he said this, all his opponents were being, what's that word? Humiliated. And the entire crowd that just saw this happen was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by Jesus. Jesus just won huge. He did not have a lot of these moments in his life, right, where, like, the crowd was for him. Like, a lot of the times the crowd was very much against him. So here's an example of Jesus' opponents being absolutely humiliated and crushed. They're down here. Jesus is ascended. The crowd loves him. And so he was saying, what is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed. Do you see what he's doing? Do you see what he's calling this proverbially tiny thing? The miracle. Everybody is shocked at the miracle. And they're praising him. And Jesus is saying, this is like a mustard seed. This is a proverbially tiny, itty-bitty little thing. And you're excited. The kingdom of heaven is like, it's as if this was a mustard seed. And this was so tiny that you're so excited about. And it's going to grow up into something huge. You guys haven't seen anything yet. You're amazed at this? Which disciple was it, Nathaniel, where Jesus says, because of that, you believe? And he's like, oh man, you're going to see so much more than that. Jesus is saying, this amazing thing you just saw, that's legitimately amazing, compared to what's coming, is like a tiny little itty-bitty mustard seed. This is a very scholarly dude named... Marshall, somebody Marshall for the New International Greek Testament Commentary. When it's got more than four letters in the title, like, you just know those people live in a different world. But this is his very scholarly way of saying really huge things are coming after this. The defeat of Satan that immediately precedes these parables is a sign of the advance of God's rule. The evidence may be slight, just one healed woman, but the potential is beyond description. This small beginning is an earnest of certain victory, despite the opposition that Jesus faced during his ministry. Just a tiny little thing. No, just a little thing. Just somebody being healed from demonic oppression for 18 years. Just itty bitty little mustard seed of a thing. If that is a mustard seed, what in the world are we dealing with here? What is the kingdom, if that counts as an itty bitty tiny seed of the kingdom? Well, Jesus is blowing their minds in the secret is in what grows out of the mustard seed. We know that mustard isn't a tree. 
But do you know what is a tree and what has the birds of the field nesting in its branches throughout the Old Testament? Well, I'm not just going to come out and say it. I'm, I'm a preacher. Again, I have to, have to build up to it. So he's making an Old Testament illusion. He wants them to think of their Old Testament prophets. Let's go back to the book of Daniel. In Daniel 4, the most powerful man in the world, the king of Babylon, has had a dream. And he calls Daniel and says, Daniel, I had this dream. What would you see, O king? I saw a tree. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches. And all the living creatures fed themselves from it. A few verses later, Daniel is going to say, guess what? That tree you saw is your kingdom. This tree you saw is your empire. And he explains that all these trees, or all these, all these birds and all these animals that are finding nourishment and life in the tree and around the tree, those are all the other peoples of the earth because your kingdom has gotten so big. Now, God actually pronounces judgment on that kingdom. But my point remains. The analogy for tree with birds in it is a kingdom. This is the same in Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel is talking about another gigantic kingdom, Egypt. When describing Egypt, Ezekiel says this in 31, 5, and 6. Therefore its height was loftier than all the trees of the field, and its boughs became many, and its branches long because of the many waters that it spread them out, that spread them out. Because of the excuse me, tiny font, because of many waters, we'll, we'll edit that out. <clears throat> As it spread them out. All the birds of the heavens nested in its bows, those are branches, and under its branches all the beasts of the field gave birth, and all the great nations lived under its shade. Kingdom in Daniel, kingdom in Ezekiel 31, also a kingdom in Ezekiel 17. Except this time, God is prophesying about the kingdom he will make out of a very broken, very, very rebellious Israel. God says this, On the high mountain of Israel, I will plant it. Interesting imagery. That it may bring forth bows and bear fruit and become a stately cedar. And birds of every kind will nest under it. They will nest in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. Now, stop here. This prophecy is special. When God said Babylon is like a giant tree, Babylon was like a giant tree. It was the most powerful kingdom in the world. When God described Egypt as a giant tree with birds in its branches, that's because Egypt was huge, and it was like a giant tree with birds in its branches. But God is saying to Israel, who is on its last legs being decimated, taken into exile, and receiving its due punishment, the Israel that God is legitimately breaking down and making small, the Israel that has no chance of ever regaining its own sovereignty. And he says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you like one of those trees, like I described Babylon, like I described Egypt, and the birds of the air are going to nest in its branches. And not just that, all the other trees are going to know that I did this and that I'm the Lord. So, this message is technically entitled The Methods of the Kingdom. So it wouldn't be wrong to stop here and say, wouldn't they wonder how in the world God is going to do that? Interesting that God preempts that question by saying this, I bring down the high tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I'm the Lord, I've spoken, I will perform it. Yeah, but how? I do it. 
Yeah, but how? I'm God. Yeah, but, yeah, but, no, 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 you don't understand. This is what's happening. This is a sure thing. I'm God, I'm going to make it happen. This is what Jesus is saying in the parable of the mustard seed. He's like, well, we'll get there. The kingdom of God is going to grow to be a worldwide, all-encompassing kingdom, and I just planted it. That's what Jesus is saying. This is happening. It's in the ground. Once that kingdom plant is in the ground, it will grow. It's not about the ground. It's not about the size of the seed. It's about the type of plant. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. That thing is going to grow. We so often want to ask, God, how? And in this parable, God's answer to how is it's good as done. But Anthony, aren't you supposed to talk about methods? Doesn't that mean how? God says, it's growing. Yeah, but how are you going to do it? The tree's coming. Yeah, but it doesn't seem very likely. The birds are going to nest in its branches. Yeah, but have you noticed how messed up the world is? Have you noticed how hard people are? Have you noticed the culture? That tree is going to be so big. It's as good as here, man. It's interesting how he chooses to answer our wondering how. But in this parable, that is how God do. The kingdom cannot be stopped. So it's about the plant, not the size of the seed. And I also want to say, it's not about the ground. The ground can be pretty messed up, but this thing is going to grow. Somebody say amen. 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 Let's talk about this leaven. All right. Just like it's not about the size of the seed, it's not about the ground, it's about the type of plant. It's about the leaven. It's not about the size of the dough. Why do I say size of the dough? Well, because... This woman hid the leaven in three pecks of flour. A peck turns out to be a lot. Like, enough for 150 to 160 people. This is no normal loaf. And we kind of miss that when we just read the parable. So, bigger than this, probably. That's not an official picture. I just found some guy in a deli holding a giant loaf of bread. But, I'm sorry for the formatting. Man, taking me off. But, you know, that's not enough for 150 people that I know. I mean, if I'm hungry, I could probably eat a good chunk of that myself. So we're talking about, and you guys know that that is true. <laughs> Amen. So we're talking about a heck of a lot of dough. Way more dough than anyone would normally just get up and throw some leaven in. And let's also say this. The woman just plops it in the dough without even kneading it? It says It's like this huge mass of dough that a lady just hides some leaven in until it's leavened. You're not even going to work that stuff in there? <laughs> Making it even more incredible is that leavening was typically done overnight. So you work the leaven into the bread, you get up in the morning and it's taken care of. You're going to leaven something overnight, so to speak, but that's enough for 150 to 160 people? I, I mean, one of the super scholarly guys that I was reading said this. Apparently this is scholarly speak now. The woman had super leaven. <laughs> <laughs> Probably has multiple PhDs to come up with that. <laughs> this is not possible with normal leaven. You don't do that. And Jesus is saying, hey, this kingdom thing, not only is it like this tiny, itty-bitty thing. Oh, this, this miracle, you guys are still cheering. Quiet down. Let me tell you, that is a mustard seed compared to this kingdom tree that's coming. And I just planted it. Oh, by the way, it's also like leaven that can do the impossible. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying that the influence I have just brought to the world, me, born in this little town in the 
back alley of the Roman Empire, I have just brought something and plopped it down in the middle of this messed up loaf of a world that's going to leaven the whole thing. 2,000 years from now, there's going to be 30,000 people brought to Jesus today in Africa alone. Where's Africa? Don't worry about that right now. Just trust me. <laughs> it's coming around. It's, they're going to see amazing things happen in Latin America, too. Where's that? We're going to have to wait like 1,400 years for somebody to discover that place. But when they get there, I'm coming to. It is going to leaven the whole thing. It is happening. It's going to grow. It can't be stopped. The leaven is working. This is happening. And again, we want to ask... How? How? Anthony, isn't this question about, isn't this the methods of the kingdom? You haven't told us how. Does anybody watch How It Should Have Ended? On YouTube? Okay, some of you may know where I'm going. Let's imagine that you're at a cafe, and, and you make a boast, and you say, I'm going to be born in this tiny little town. I'm going to live for 33 years, and I'm going to be executed as a criminal. I'm going to change the world for thousands of years. How in the world are you going to do that? Because I'm Batman. <laughs> 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 like, I couldn't. <laughs> it seems like that's what Jesus is doing. And you read so many verses in the Bible where God says these amazing things are as good as done. First try. You know, it's like, yeah, but how in the world are you going to do that? And he never tells you. The answer is because, the answer is because I bring down the high tree. I exalt the low tree, I dry up the green tree, I make the dry tree flourish. I'm the Lord, I've spoken, I will perform it. Ooh. That accomplishes the same thing, biblically, as this comedy bit does from how it should have ended. It doesn't make any sense that he can do it because it's Batman, you haven't answered the question. But it does make sense that he can do it because he's the almighty God who's going to bring about what he says he's going to bring about, amen? Yeah. I'm Batman is funny because Batman's not God. It still doesn't answer the question. You get the, you laugh because you're so full of yourself, right? And yet he somehow manages to do it. This is not funny. This should be incredibly encouraging. God is going to accomplish it. So, that's eh, a long churchy quote. I don't really want to read it. You can read it if you want to. I included it because I thought it was smart at one point. It basically says, yeah, but... This whole quote basically says, yeah, but Jesus still died in 33 AD and this thing's got to get leavened and this kingdom's got to grow. How's that going to happen? You have a role in God's unstoppable plan. Yeah, but isn't God going to do it? He sure is. And isn't it true that it can't be stopped? Yes, that's true. And isn't it true that God's just going to bring it about? Yep. And you have a job to do. Well, how does that work? You have a job to do. You have part in the plan. But here's some good news. You get to take a role. You are honored to take part in God's unstoppable plan to grow his kingdom and to change this world. You too can be a glorious mustard loaf. I did that. I want to close with two questions, kind of two applications that you can do, and one thing that I'd like everybody to just breathe in at the end of this message. One, you can help God achieve his unstoppable plan by allowing God to plant the kingdom in you. I said it doesn't matter what type of ground we're talking about. It doesn't matter how small the seed is. It matters what kind of plant we're talking about. Kingdom can grow anywhere. Are you very messed up? Kingdom can grow just fine in a very messed up person. 
Are you not so messed up? The kingdom can grow just fine in a deluded person. I did mean to say that. <laughs> Guys, this kingdom thing grows wherever it's planted. You plant the thing, it's as good as done. Please do not leave here today. There's a preacher thing to say, but it's true and I mean it. Without accepting Jesus, without allowing him to plant that kingdom in your heart, without welcoming it in. And don't worry about how it's supposed to grow in this mess. That's God's business. Amen. And he will perform it. Your job is to take a deep breath and say, I repent. You're right. I've been a sinner. List him if you know him. Give him over to Jesus. Admit that he paid the price. Allow him to be what he wants, and that is your Lord and your Savior. Become his child. He plants the kingdom in you, and I promise you that thing will grow. Amen. Step one, please do that today if you haven't done it before. Two, are you willing and excited to be Holy Spirit leavened to the world around you? When you become a Christian, that's a very tame way of saying that God Almighty takes up residence in you. Interesting. If you're going through life empowered, keeping in step with, is the Bible term, the Holy Spirit, you are going to bring that influence to wherever you happen to be. We are part of God's plan to make this world get leavened, to make the Holy Spirit influence permeate it. And you better believe that is happening. Amen. Are you willing to take part in that? Will you join in? It doesn't rest on your shoulders. It rests on God's shoulders. And he's going to do it, but we get to take part. It's an honor. So I would encourage everybody to look at your lives that way. Tuesday at 3 o'clock, you are Holy Spirit loving at the gas station, at Myers, at the bakery. Amen? Amen. Amen. And lastly, <clears throat> I would like everyone here to be encouraged. Point three is somehow missing in the formatting issue. Be encouraged. This thing is working. This is happening. The kingdom is growing. This world is being changed. It's way more changed now than it was in 33 AD. And if you've been a Christian for a few years, aren't you way more changed than you were a couple years ago? Man, I know I was. Take it down to the personal level if you really need to see how God works in the world because I think he works almost the same way in us. Little by little, bit by bit, constantly taking ground, clawing on his hands and knees when he needs to, but always advancing, and sometimes in leaps and bounds, until suddenly you don't even recognize the place. It's brighter, it smells better, your behavior is different, you're thinking different, old habits aren't as appealing, your tastes change. Yeah. It's happening here, and it's happening out there. Yeah. It yeah. is. Somebody say, it is happening. It, it is. is happening. So don't get discouraged when things look bleak and nasty. It's not about the ground, it's about the type of the plant. And Jesus says it's a sure thing, and I believe him. Amen. Thank you guys. You're definitely